welcome everybody. It's uh, our latest edition of Kissing the Cod. We're here at PDAC, uh, final day at PDAC, so there's a bit of background noise. Hopefully it's not too bad, but I want to welcome Mark Scott joining us today from Gander Gold, G-A-N-D. Uh, welcome, Mark. Thank you, Janet. Great to be here. You are, you're my first in-person interview, so um, it feels kind of weird not seeing you in a box. That's right, Jess. <laughs> We've all been living on video conference for far too long. It's good to be here in person. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Well, um, yeah, I just um, maybe jump in, like, tell us a bit about you. <laughs> sure. I, uh, I grew up in a mining household in, uh, in Bathurst, New Brunswick. My father spent most of his career working at the Brunswick mine and later he steel uh, mines in the Miramichi and Bathurst on the Miramichi, New Brunswick. And uh, I started as an 18 year old summer student operating equipment underground at Heath Steel and got a chance to split a couple of other summers uh, doing uh, exploration work and restaking old claims and carrying around soil samples and working with some uh, material handling maintenance crews at the Brunswick mine. So had a great summer student experience and really fell in love with the, the industry and the people in it and, and decided that's the, the business I wanted to work in and not not go the uh, the law school route like I thought I was going to go when I started university. Good call. Yeah, good yeah, call. I think it's, it's, it's been a good one so far. And, uh, I, you know, that was, that was quite a, that was... Uh, 1996 would have been my first year working in the industry, and and uh, and I've been in it uh, ever since. Lived all over. Uh, once I finished school, I went to work for Inco in Sudbury for a couple of years, and then moved to Thompson, Manitoba, and lived there, thinking I was going there for three years. Ended up being there for about 16, and uh, and in 2018, after uh, a number of different roles and responsibilities uh, with Inco, and then later Valley and Thompson. Uh, left there and, and we started up Sassy Resources in 2019, which went public in 2020 and then spun out Gander in 2021 with its eight projects in Newfoundland, which is why you and I are here chatting this morning. So it's uh, it's a bit of a long and winding road, but it sure has been a, a quick, I don't know what that makes it, 26 years or so. Uh, it's been a quick feeling 26 years. And you were gracious enough to let me in your placement. <laughs> yeah. It was come small. one, come all. Yeah. It was no, small. It was, yeah. But you yeah. were kind enough to let me in. So, where do you live now? I live in uh, Calgary, Airdrie, Alberta, just north of Calgary now. Okay. It's an easy, uh, easy, quote unquote, easy commute to uh, to our projects in northwest BC and northern Saskatchewan with Sassy Resources okay. and uh, and a good airport that makes it easy to commute to, uh, to Vancouver and Toronto and Deer Lake or Gander as required. And, and do you still have family in New Brunswick? Yep, yep. Most of my family still live in New Brunswick. They've sort of migrated from the Bathurst area down to, uh, to more around the Fredericton area these days. But yep, my brother and uh, and my folks and all my extended family still live in that area. Nice. And at, at one point you were the head of uh, mining in Manitoba? It was Man Manitoba Operations for Valley, VP of Valley Canada. Uh, so in that that role in that capacity, I was managing the three underground mines in Thompson, three underground nickel, copper, cobalt mines in Thompson, along with the, the, the mill smelter refinery and all the associated infrastructure and exploration that went along with that. Um, that business unit we had uh, just shy of about 2,000 employees uh, full time, including contractors, and you know, give or take, be a little higher given what the nickel prices are right now, but give or take about a billion dollars a year in revenue. 
So that's a huge shift from that participation in, in production and big mines to starting a junior company. It is. Uh, I think the, you know, it's, it's, there are a couple of, of notable things about that. One is the, just the size and the agility and the ability to make decisions quickly, um, you know, in, a, in an organization that has less than a, than a handful of full-time employees versus one that I was working in before that had uh, 165,000 full-time employees in, I, I don't even remember, dozens, dozens of countries uh, speaking 14 different languages, right? It's, you can imagine the difficulty of sort of getting, getting agile, uh, uh, timely decisions made in that kind of an environment. So that's one of the big differences between that environment and a small junior is, is you know, it's a small team and, and we're quick on our feet, which is really refreshing. It's really nice, I have to say. Um, the other, you know, the other big difference is it's, it, it can be at times a bit of a stretch to even call it the same, the same industry, right? And so much of the, of the junior world is, is about raising uh, capital and, and minding the treasury. It's not, you know, you don't have month to month, quarter to quarter cash flows to support your, your capital needs. You have to be out there pounding the pavement and, and bringing it into, uh, mm -hmm. bringing it into the treasury on your own. So, so it's, you know, that, that occupies a lot of time and energy, obviously, along with the, the promotion of the projects and the work that we're doing. Um, you know, I would call that about half of the business and the other half is, is the technical work of actually trying to generate <laughs> discoveries and, and uh, acquire and develop good properties. So, yeah, it's a, it's a different business, but it's a lot of fun and, and uh, pretty rewarding because of how directly you're involved with all the different aspects of the work that go on. Yeah. And, and, and what is it that drew you to Newfoundland and Labrador? Well, we were, uh, Sassy was looking for a second project to... Uh, to be uh, that we could explore year-round to complement the, the summer season in the SK camp where where we have the Formore project and we got into discussions with Vulcan Minerals in Newfoundland, Patrick Laracy, their CEO, uh, and we, we acquired first uh, sort of a smallish package of, of properties from Vulcan and then we uh, got into business with Sean Ryan, famed prospector Sean Ryan, uh, who anybody which familiar with the Newfoundland story now in 2022 probably knows about. Uh, but Sean and I uh, got to know one another and sort of became fast friends. And and he and, and Kathy and I became business partners. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we acquired a number of, uh, or optioned, I guess, a number of properties from Sean. And the scale of the properties we ended up with within SASE uh, was such that they, they really had taken on a life of their own. It was no longer sort of a second fiddle, second billing uh, project for SASE, but really warranted being a, a company of its own. So we made the decision then to to spin it out onto its own, and, and that's what's become Gander Gold. So we ended up with, uh, in total, eight different project areas in Newfoundland uh, within Gander Gold uh, that's made up of some 9,052 claims, which I think makes it the big single uh, biggest claim position on the island and uh, without any sharing of, of portions of it and um, and that's that's 2263 square kilometers of ground so lots of ground to cover it's all very early stage work that we're doing and uh, thankfully Sean and Kathy also have ground truth exploration 
at our disposal, uh, and their president, Isaac Page, who uh, is, <laughs> has been a real gift uh, to, to several of the companies working in the province, and, and that's allowed us in 2021 to hit the ground running without having to spend a whole year, you know, or for part of a year getting a bunch of infrastructure and people uh, and processes in place. Ground Truth was already there. Sean and company had already been there for a number of years, and that really allowed us to execute a pretty aggressive, pretty large-scale exploration program in 2021, and we're following up and doing the same again in 2022. Yeah, I've known known Sean and Kathy probably 20 years, uh, and I've seen Sean's presentation on what makes Newfoundland and Labrador special. he did a presentation here at PDAC a couple of days ago. He's so far ahead of everybody else in understanding what's going on on the ground there. It's, I, I was, I, I saw it last year. I was impressed, but this year he's just figuring out stuff and he thinks differently. So I, you know, kudos on you for, for working with him. He really is ahead of the pack. Well, he's a he's a creative guy and he likes to think big and. Uh, and he's been at it for quite a while in Newfoundland, right? I, I'll probably get the timing wrong, but somewhere around 2015 or 16, not 2021 when there was a staking rush going on in the island, he was out there researching and figuring out what was going on, what had been done there historically, why some of the majors that had done so much work in the province over the years, you know, in the 80s and, and even before that time, had abandoned the work that they'd done. And he really put together a compelling story as to why all of that and how all of that had happened and what the opportunity is that the that the the island presents moving forward with the structural story that he that he put together and, and composed and has educated an awful lot of people on now several years later I, I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago i think it's coming out pretty soon with rich goldfarb who's one of the leading uh, orogenic gold experts in the world in the world if you listen to Sean and then you listen to Rich, um, Rich thinks Newfoundland is, is the perfect storm for economic discoveries, and that was his big thing. It's, there's lots of there's lots of gold out there, but finding gold in a, in, in a setting that you build mines, he thinks it's one of the best two places in the world. Well, it, Newfoundland is really a, a wonder for a bunch of reasons, but one of them in the mining industry is is the the access and the infrastructure that exists in in that province even you know it's an island so there's a certain perception of, of remoteness but it's it's not really that at all there are highways and uh, hydro generation plants and, and transmission lines and a you know a system of uh, logging roads and, and recreational roads that, that crisscross the province that that really provide uh, much more secure, much more uh, easy, uh, ready access than you'll find in any number of other jurisdictions. Obviously, the you know Atlantic Canadians love their politics as much as anybody, but it, it's a much more stable and, and safe environment than a lot of other uh, jurisdictions around the world where you might go looking for gold, right? Without naming any of them. And so it uh, it's got a population that wants development, that needs economic development, that has a uh, both a, both a direct local history of mining and also a, a very highly skilled workforce that, that for, you know, for my whole lifetime, for the last several decades, has been largely exported to the rest of the country, uh, whether that's northern Ontario or Manitoba or Saskatchewan or, or up in uh, you know, Wood Buffalo, Fort McMurray country. So 
I think lots of those people who's, who, and you can see the, the, the growth in the communities of Deer Lake and Ganders around the airports in those communities is largely to do with that export of talent to the rest of the country. So you've got people, you've got the, the political system, you have a, a really a really effective geological survey and, and mines department within the provincial government, which is not the case in, in all 13 jurisdictions across Canada, you know, bless their hearts. And, um, and you just have combined that with the geology and, and as Sean describes it, you know, this this crumple zone, this crash zone of, of uh, structure that was flushed with, you know, a series of mineralizing events 420 million years ago. And, uh, and you really do have a perfect storm that's, that's prime for discoveries there. Gold and, and probably other elements too. Uh, you know, there's lots of, uh, of base metal potential, probably some lithium potential. Certainly know there's an impressive salt uh, discovery that's, that's under development on the western side of the, the island. So, uh, there, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. It's not just a gold rush that's happening in Newfoundland, although that's, that's our primary focus. There's, a, there's really a resource boom that's burgeoning there. Uh, uh, hopefully the oil and gas industry in Newfoundland gets to, to stay a part of that. Um, were you at the reception the other night? I was so impressed. He was incredibly clear and there was no wiggle words at all. While he is there, there will be certainty. Right. And I, I, I'm not sure which I, I'm more excited about having a message about certainty he also gave a message about uh, wanting us to prosper, wanting us to make discoveries, wanting us to create jobs. Uh, but when you combine that with, and I've heard this from Sean several times, that the strength of the geological survey and the access to data has really set the stage for a, a gold district that nobody ever expected to see. It's impressive that, you know, in uh, with. It, it, through a lot of years of, that were really a, a dearth of development on the island, they somehow managed to keep that department funded and, and functioning, uh, you know, which again hasn't been the case in across some of the other jurisdictions in Canada. And, and uh, they really have, they've set up a great system uh, all online that, that gives us access to information uh, and really formed the basis in large part for the, the online map staking that was done and the properties we evaluated and the ground we ended up acquiring because of, of what we were able to, to to find out about them and research about them from the historic data, whether generated by government sources or, or historic private work uh, that was made available online and, and we were able to compile it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been impressive and it's been a, a real breath of fresh air after uh, working in a few other places across the country. I think a few other places across the country should be paying attention to what they're doing in Newfoundland and Labrador. It's um, it, it's going to start separating them from the pack very quickly. And the, the very progressive government, yet responsible geological survey. But uh, I lived in a small mining town in, in Yukon uh, called Faro. Uh, Two-thirds of the population was from Newfoundland. Right. And uh, before they were in Faro, they were in Pine Point. Right. So they had traveled around, the most amazing people, hardworking, family-oriented. Um, all they wanted was to go home. Right. So this, to me, is, is perfect. You've got a labor force that has all that experience, and they want it at home. 
and you, you feel that, I think. And, um, well, I can empathize. As a displaced uh, maritimer, I can empathize <laughs> with that, that whole home. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like growing up in uh, Atlanta, Canada? Well, I guess I didn't know any different at the time. It was, you know, fairly idyllic. We lived uh, in the country outside of a, of a small city, right? I think the population of Bathurst at the time would have been 15 or 16,000. It, it wouldn't be quite that large uh, these days. And, uh, yeah, it was great. I played a lot of sports and, uh, you know, uh, it was it was not a company town. It was not a Naranda company town, but it, it did sure feel like it at times because of the significance of the local, you know, the Brunswick number 12 zinc mine uh, to the local economy and sort of, the, you know, how many people worked there and how much of the local economy was was owing to uh, to what was going on at the mine and concentrator and the, and the lead smelter up the road in Baldoon. So, um you know, the mining was everywhere. It was, it was, uh, it was in the parades during the summer. It was in the, the fun runs around town in the summer. It was uh, at every holiday celebration, and um, and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was on the phone at, at night every dinner time when when my father would get the, the daily hoist report <laughs> called to to, uh, to know what the hoist was that day. So uh, yeah, it's in the it's in the blood and has been for a long time. What I liked about living in a mining town, and I didn't fully appreciate it until many years later, 100% employment. Right. Yeah. It, there's there's jobs, and yeah. they wanted families and people. It wasn't transient. It right. was it was solid, and people spent their weekends camping and fishing, and uh, you know the money circulated, right? Yeah, I, people in Toronto probably wouldn't appreciate it, but yeah. actually. You know the, the highest disposable income levels across the country historically have been in some smaller towns with resource-based economies, right? So, I, I was there in the '80s, and an electrician that I knew was making sixty dollars an hour in the '80s. Right. So the, the demand for the trades, the the, the wealth, um, the opportunities. I've, I've always been a big supporter. Mining is it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Canada has always been a resource-based net exporting economy and uh, anybody who kids themselves and, and you know thinks it's anything other than that is, is really uh, lost the plot yeah. uh, unfortunately that that means a significant portion of Canada's parliament at the moment, at the moment but uh, uh, hopefully that'll turn around at some point well I think people are so disconnected from where stuff comes from right. whether it's their food or their power or the metal in their, right. their cell phone or their car but these rural communities drive the luxuries of the cities, right. and I, I, I well, not not like just it. the luxuries, but the but the very fundamental infrastructure and underpinning of it all. Uh, you know, the the, the old uh, prospector saying is, if it can't be grown, it must be mined, and and that is absolutely true. Uh, you know, anybody who wants to complain about resource development or complain about uh, scarring the landscape really should should do a better job trying to educate themselves as to how small. The footprint is with modern technology that's being used to uh, one minimize the footprint and the you know the uh, uh, how intrusive exploration and, and mining activity is, and then how effective reclamation processes are. I mean, it, you go to most mines, in particular underground mines, but just about any any modern mine site that has been reclaimed, it's hard to tell there was anything there. Uh, you know, so and and that's where the materials come from for. The generation and, and transmission of electricity, the construction of 
roads and buildings and bridges and, and uh, electric cars and batteries and, and uh, windmills. And, it's not coming uh, from the plug in the wall. And, and iPhones. <laughs> yeah, well, from a plug in the wall, sure. The plug and the and the the plug and the wall and the wires yes. uh, were all mined, right? So, uh, I, you know, everybody who's watching this podcast will will know that, but. Uh, Maybe if we all go out and educate our own little streets and, and neighborhoods and cul-de-sacs, maybe we'll, we'll get the word out. Yeah, it's, I think that mining uh, is the best industry to create wealth in, in addition to all the benefits from mining, but the best industry to create wealth in rural communities. Well, it, yes, it, it literally is the... Tourism the, is just not going to come. Well, it's the original generation of wealth, right? We take nothing and make it into something which then folks on Bay Street move around from place to place and, and do their thing with. But it all has to come from somewhere originally. Nobody, nobody's paying any taxes. Nobody's redistributing any wealth. Nobody's uh, running a stock market without somebody taking something out of the ground at some point and turning it into something of value. And I, we could go sideways sure. on this, but... Yeah. but Maybe, maybe first, we've lost the plot now. Maybe, I don't, I don't know. But in a first world country, the standards for environmental, responsible environmental management are so high that it's the best place to do more. Sure. sure. If you really care about, about the global conditions. Yeah. Yet labor and environmental standards, both uh, you know, in Canada, are, are as good as you'll find anywhere. And, and uh, yeah, we should be leaders in, in the, the mining of. Uh, gold and uh, battery metals, copper and nickel and uh, cobalt and lithium and and uh, salts and gypsum and you know everything else that gets some of the more exotic stuff that gets mined in smaller quantities all across the country. We we should be global leaders in that. And I think I think Labrador has such a strong history and so much of that. I, I see. You know, at times we just talk about Newfoundland, but huge history with mining in both parts of the, sure. of the jurisdiction. So I want to talk a bit about uh, Gander Gold now. Yep. So um, what kind of stuff did you guys do last year in the field? So, uh, so we started with about a 20,000 uh, soil and till sample program, which was, uh, I think, probably the largest one undertaken in the history of the island by a, by a single company in a single season. So. Uh, that was pretty aggressive and, and that was across all eight properties of ours. In some cases, on some of the smaller properties, we met the annual assessment requirements and in other cases where, you know, there was a, a bit, maybe a bit more known about the property and the structure and the historic works, uh, where there was some that had been done on those properties, we focused in and did a little more and, um, and pretty exciting early results. We've, uh, We've identified on the Gander North property, for example, some 40 linear kilometers of, of structure that's overlain with, with anomalous gold and, in some cases, copper results uh, from the soils and the tills. We, uh, we at the Mount Payton property, we know we have a, a fold nose in the structure uh, in the southwest corner of the property that has some 22 linear kilometers of structure that's overlain by anomalous gold and, and in some cases, copper. Um, and, and, and that is the story that is developing across uh, a number of the other uh, properties that we have, uh, including the BLT and Cape Ray. And, and so we're, we're very happy with the ground we picked up. We're happy with the results of the, the 20 or 21,000 soil samples that we did in 2021. And, 
and the airborne uh, mag VLF surveys that we flew across all 2,263 square kilometers of that ground, which helped us get better resolution on the structural story. So, uh, yeah, couldn't be happier really with the results from the from the first year. And so, in 2022, now we're going back, and and uh, the ground truth team is already on the ground there. Have been since uh, since May. 2022 following up uh, extending some of those soil grids where anomalies were identified and tightening up the spacing on the on the lines that were run across others that were that were identified so we're really going back and um, doing some first pass work in some areas because it is a lot of ground to cover uh, and and really starting to polish up what will become the first round of drill targets uh, in our in our second season there on the island excellent and one of the things that everybody always asks, and it's, it drives me crazy because... Let me guess. Yeah, when are you going to drill? Right. <laughs> yes. No, I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, you have to do the work first, right? Yeah. And, you know, you know, the people doing the work are more anxious than anybody yeah. to, to stick a bit in the ground and see what's there. And, you know, it's, it's incumbent upon us to spend our money, spend our investors' money wisely. So... You want to have, you want to do the homework, do the work, and not just be spinning the rod, but make sure it's, you know, you've given it the best chance possible of hitting something. So we'll, we'll be working throughout 2022 to develop the first set of drill targets. We will, uh, in in all likelihood, probably do some rad drilling rather than diamond drilling right off the the hop. So rotary air blast drilling will allow us to, with a smaller machine, a smaller footprint less water usage, you know, a little easier time of, of permitting, uh, less precision probably required in, in the identification of where the, the holes will be for permitting. Get out there and start testing, start sampling five uh, five foot sections at a time and, and get the assay results back from that. Get a televiewer down the hole to see what the structure looks like that, we, uh, that we've targeted, where we, where we hit it. And, uh, and then that will be followed up with diamond drilling later on. So... Yeah, we're working on developing the first set of drill targets this year, and and uh, yeah, got to do the homework first. Yeah, it, people, and they keep saying it, it's true. The market only cares about drilling. Yeah, but, but so important. If you look at companies like Labgold, you know, where they are now, companies like yourself are a couple of years behind that. But if they hadn't gone through the exact same process, they wouldn't have the the targets they have now. Well, the biggest the biggest recent success story on the island is newfound gold, of course, and they look like an overnight success since they since they listed, uh, you know, and, and went from $1.50 to $13 a share and have, have undertaken a 400,000 meter drill program, uh, which has to be the largest anywhere in the country. Uh, but they had the benefit also of, of operating for five or six years, Dennis and company, as a private company in the background with no attention or fanfare being paid outside of their, their small circle of investors. Uh, and, and you know, came did all the work that we're doing now in the public eye as a private company. So when you look at their, their technical report on their Queensway project, for example, the soil results that Gander is generating from uh, Gander North in particular, which is which is only a matter of 15 kilometers away from the Keith zone, uh, the background and the anomalous levels uh, and the kind of uh, the kind of headline numbers that we're seeing for gold and soils are pretty much analogous to what what you see in the I forget whether it was 2018 or 2020, but the the technical report on the Queensway project that NFG wrote. So 
uh, we're encouraged by that and, and you know we're seeing a lot of the same geochemistry markers on the ground there that that they were seeing back in 2015 and 16 before they launched you know before they went public in 2021 and became an overnight overnight quote unquote success right of course that overnight success had many many years of, the kind of work you're of doing the kind of work we're yeah. doing now and, and you know I'm a big supporter of RAB and RC before you yep. get to diamond drilling because it's a really cost-effective way to test the target before you're going to spend a lot of money on, it, on a diamond rig. Yeah, yeah, and the, you know the soils, uh, the soils. We got pretty good turnaround from the lab on the soils last year. Unlike uh, rock samples, really, that that right across the country ground to a halt. Right, the the labs were just uh, were just bound up with volume, but the soils we were able to get through and get pretty good turnaround on. And the hope is that. Uh, we can get something similar in terms of turnaround for the uh, the powders that come out of a rab drill and actually go to the lab, which, where it's already uh, essentially pulverized. And am I mistaken in thinking that they put an additional lab on the island this year? Well, I think okay? Eastern Analytics uh, uh, expanded somewhat, and I know some of the other some of the other assay uh, providers were looking at establishing a footprint on the island. I don't actually know if they if they've done that. Generally. Um, I, I've got a lot of questions about where you're going. Where, uh, where? Maybe just keep it simple. Where do you see Gander Gold going over the next five years? Sure. So Gander has a lot of ground, and and the early returns are very good. At, at some point, uh, the you know the carrying cost of all that ground will will become an issue. And so part of the exercise now that we're into year two of assessment and through year two and in through year three, we'll be really identifying that ground which we want to move ahead with the development of and that which we want to option off or sell or, or drop or, or otherwise uh, do something different with uh, to move forward. So, so that's sort of uh, in the corporate development scheme of things what will happen over the next couple of years. We we expect, we, you know, there's some deal making to be to be done to uh, to parcel out parts of the ground while we keep marching forward with with the best bits that we want to hang on to. Uh, in terms of uh, in terms of exploration, uh, like I said before, we'll be developing the first set of drill targets this year. We'll be into diamond drilling those and continuing to do early stage work on on some other parts of of the various properties uh, in 2023, but. You know, we'll be into drilling in 2023, and um, the treasury right now is in good shape for 2022. Uh, you know, the the launching of a significant drill program for 23 will require some treatment on that side of things, and um, and then on the promotion side of things, really since since Gander listed in uh, in early March of, of 2022, we really haven't done any promotion yet. We 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 were waiting to get back. We're still waiting for some of our geophysical final data from last year. We have all of our uh, geochem results from last year now, and so you know there's uh, an abundance of data that's being collected. The preliminary interpretations are being done on that, and you know we expect a pretty robust news flow through the summer of 2022. Some of which, unfortunately, we'll be talking about the work that was done year, done yeah. a year past. Uh, but but the promotion will kick in, and, and that will come along. We expect the share price will. Uh, will react accordingly, subject, of course, to, uh, you know, global, global events. 
it's a terrible market right now for gold. You know, and, and the price of gold is doing so well. Um, but it's yeah. It's a, it's a shame that eighteen hundred and fifty dollar gold is is perceived now. Like nobody would have believed that five years ago, but eighteen hundred fifty dollar gold is perceived to be a low gold price. I, I mean, that's that's crazy, right? That uh, it's it's uh, the fundamentals are good for for lots of projects out there at the moment, and in particular the ones with the high grade early stage results that the Gander has. And they always say that management is is key to making your investment decision, but I I think it's changing dramatically to jurisdiction is is on par with management if you're not in the right place uh, where the permits don't don't flow as easily as they should where, where there's not a supportive environment so I think obviously a strong management great jurisdiction um, so basically the game plan is you spend a couple of seasons narrowing down the best targets and then you start to trim in order yep. to conserve the treasury. Right, exactly so, right. Yeah, makes sense. Yep. So how's PDEC going for you? Uh, PDEC's good. Traffic uh, looks pretty strong after people have been uh, pent up inside for a while. Uh, the footprint, I don't think, is quite what it used to be, but that saves time traveling back and forth between the north and south sides <laughs> of the convention center. So it's been good. It's good to see a lot of, uh, of old familiar faces that... Uh, uh, like you said a while ago, uh, we've only seen on a computer screen for the last couple of years, so it's good to be it's good to be out of the house, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think it's um, it's a good first year. Uh, there's yeah. been a, a healthy turnout. Um, I've I've really enjoyed meeting the prospectors. Yeah, it's that people that are you know lifetime on the ground and getting to spend some time with them and meeting people from the geological survey that was really my expectation was that would be the highlight of, of yeah. PDAC for me and uh, but it's been it's great seeing what everyone's doing and, and personalizing it a lot right? yeah yeah be nice if we could get uh, at one of these shows get all the Newfoundland companies into one aisle but I'm not yeah. sure what what sort of coordination would be required for that but you know most of the member organizations of Newfoundland.gold are are here in in one form or another but we're spread out all over this this huge uh, trade show floor it'd be nice if we could get us somehow into one aisle for next year maybe uh, maybe when things are back to normal back on the March schedule for PDAC maybe we can pull that together next year well I, I doing a podcast with uh, Jeff from Exploits Gold, and he's on the board of PDAC, so... Well, there you go. So There's make your the end. pitch. Yeah, very good. <laughs> well, it's been great talking to you, Mark. Likewise, Jen. I don't know if we've covered everything about, about your program and anything else you wanted to add. Well, that's it, Gander, uh, G-A-N-D on the CSE since, uh, since I think it was the 8th of March this year. And, uh, yeah, the share price right now, it's... Uh, uh, it's a good buy right now before we, you know, before yes. we ramp up the news flow and the, and the promo that will come and the development of drill targets later on in the year. So we're really happy with the ground we picked up. We, uh, we like our team. It's got lots of, of experience and, and a history of bringing, uh, bringing discoveries into production and managing large operations as well as managing junior exploration companies successfully, uh, from a financial standpoint. So we like our properties, we like our team, and we like the early stage results. You, you can't ask for more than that after, you know, one year of existence and uh, three or four months as a public company. And, and your background is exceptional for the, the sector that you're in, bringing that uh, 
understanding of where you want to be right. when, when you're a junior, the goal of getting to that stage, whether it's you or not, that that's what you want to see. Yeah, I would like nothing better than to find and build and operate a mine. So, uh, so hopefully that's in the cards for us. Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks, Jenna. Appreciate really it. enjoyed it today. Best of luck in 2022. And thanks to everybody for joining us and um, wishing you a great season. And thanks again. We'll be back.